Hello. Am I in there? Am I? Okay. Good. Good morning, Mr. First. Mr. First. Good morning. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Just about right now. Just, you know, if, you know, if you didn't know what El Nino means, Spanish for the Nino. We're all, we're all enjoying El Nino today, I'm sure. So, I would say it's a really pretty morning, Sunday morning in the bucolic splendor of Lecompton, but it is a very wet, mucky morning. So, that's okay. Jesus, we thank you for this day, for your word to us, and for your goodness. God, we just pray that you would give us uh, ears to hear, God, and hearts to receive. And that, that these things would come forth exactly as you would, would say them. And God, we just uh, pray that today your word would be that uh, light for our path. God, that it would be that, uh, that um, bread that would strengthen us on our journey. God, we pray it and ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. So go with me to Philippians chapter 1. <clears throat> You know, when, you, uh, when an author writes a book, they, they know before they start how it's going to end, or at least they should. I, I went through this uh, period of insomnia about 11, 12 years ago, and I'd always wanted to write a book. I always, that, that was actually my dream gig when I was growing up. Like, I want to write books. I want to be an author. And... Uh, so I thought, well, I can't sleep at night. What better use of my time? You could see where my thinking was flawed. I spent all my all these sleepless nights playing chess and, uh, with the computer and trying to write a book. But I had this idea that I started with, and I didn't know where I was going to go with it, and I didn't know how it was going to end, and so it went nowhere. And uh, it was about 40 pages of nothing, and I finally gave up on it. Uh, but an actual author that knows what they're doing, when they when they go to write a story, they they sit down and they plan it out. Like, okay, here's here's dude. Dude is gonna have this stuff happen to him. This stuff happened to him. And he's gonna end up here, and this is how the story is going to end. And you you start there. It's like writing a research paper. You make your outline, and and then you have this little framework to work from, and then it just comes out. So. Uh, in Hebrews 12:2, of course, uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. And of course, He's the beginner and the finisher. And so, the very the very faith that we we live by is uh, initiated by Him. And so that that faith that that you first reached up and took hold of His salvation for you, that faith came uh, from Him. It's a gift of God, and so, so he he begins this work in us, and uh, and I, I like that 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 Hebrews calls him the author and the finisher, because I I started a book, I started authoring, and then I never finished it, and uh, I just kind of gave up on it and threw it away, and fortunately, 
for you, and fortunately for me, uh, God doesn't just decide, well, this isn't working out, and crumple it up and throw it away. So that works uh, quite well for us. <clears throat> so in Philippians 1, I'm just going to start at the beginning. Paul and Timotheus, servants of Jesus Christ, all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And a uh, little uh, grammar lesson. This this uh, this this phrase will perform is, is one word in the Greek, and so you have this word uh, teleos, which uh, is a a form of the word which is translated as perfection. It means to finish, to complete, bring to the end. And epi is a uh, intensive suffix or uh, um, prefix. I mean, excuse me, and so. Uh, in uh, uh, Greek, it means above, and so it's uh, it's used as this intensive to mean over and above and beyond, and it, it adds force to the word that it's attached to. So he's saying that I'm going that I've begun this work in you, and I am absolutely you can be totally assured that I will finish it. You know I've. Uh, we've had projects at work that I, I really wished we didn't have to finish. We had this door from Sheol this week that we were dealing with. And uh, I, I told some of you about it Friday night, and uh, I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but it uh, it was a door for this troublesome customer. And our customer said, you know, if you could get that door done this week, it would really reduce my drug and alcohol consumption. So uh, just please get this thing done for me. So we told him, okay, we'll get it done. And it really wasn't working out. You know, now, I've been painting for 16 years. Uh, I've painted like thousands of doors, literally. And this door just gave us so much trouble. It was really frustrating, and I, I really wanted to just quit. And uh, uh, Mike began to eventually take this door not working out as a as an affront to, to his existence. And so we decided we are getting this done. And we had worked on it. We'd thrown a lot of time away on this door already. And uh, way more than we were going to be uh, paid for on it. And uh, <clears throat> finally, uh, he asks us, uh, Pete, the customer, he says, do you, do you want me to just buy a new one and just start over? And Mike said, no, I'm going to make this door work. <laughs> I can do this. And so uh, it was interesting because something else we're going to read here in a bit. The uh, Bible says that steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And so we find that we just kind of end up in places um, through no fault of our own, and, and it just turns out to be the right place to be. So we were working north of DeSoto, and there... Apparently, no one there ever needs to go to the hardware store because there's not one. <laughs> there's not one in Eudora. Wow. There's a uh, 
Urschelin's in Vaser, but it's worthless if you're a painter. And uh, so we ended up driving all the way back to Lawrence. And we thought, well, as long as we're going to Lawrence, let's just go to good old Uncle Sherwin and and we'll just buy our stuff there. We get there and uh, we had stopped for lunch on the way there. We weren't quite done eating and I thought, well, this is taking forever. Let's just go in and get our stuff. We'll finish eating after we leave. And Mike's like, no, let's just, let's just finish eating. We'll get our stuff and we'll go. As we're walking out of the store after we're done with our transaction, the uh, former manager of the store comes in. There's a really precious lady named Robin that really loves the Lord. And we talked to her a lot about the Lord, and she would just drink it up. And uh, she retired earlier this year, and she just she was coming in on an errand for something she was getting for her house or something. And if we had... If we had kind of paused lunch, to we would have missed her. We would have we would have been in and out, and we've totally missed her. And so we're talking to her, and she tells us, "Well, I just came from a funeral from a, a lady uh, in my church. Her husband died in a hunting accident, and uh, um, you know, apparently he uh, his gun went off and and he shot himself trying to climb over a fence, and he managed to get back to his truck, but he died there." And she said, "What do you, what do you say to somebody like that? You know, to to this guy's wife. You know, it's like I don't, I wasn't sure what to say. He didn't go to church. I was like, well, you know, the thing is, is we always want to assign where somebody went. At, you know, it's like they 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 stepped into eternity, and we want to make that judgment. Well, he didn't he didn't come to church, or at least he didn't come to my church. So, so I therefore he didn't make it. And it's like you know you don't know." what happened in that time you know and and you know mike told her it's like hey god doesn't mind planting a seed sending his wife to church no doubt she talked to him and uh then at that last moment harvesting that seed god knows how to do those things and so uh we just had this week of those things happening thursday everything was going swimmingly and we thought well we'll get done with this we won't have to come back out to this place on on friday and uh some of the brethren from the church here were also working at that house and we it it just happened to have been the lord that we we showed up again because they were really in need of some encouragement and so just thing after thing after thing like that just kept happening and uh so the reason i i tie that in with the idea of God finishing the work in you is it's not like we planned this week out and, and okay, so we're going to hit the paint store at exactly 11.15 on Friday morning and we're going to see Robin there and, and we're going to, you know, we came up with all these great excuses of why we, we should just quit, quit work and leave now at 3.30 on, on Thursday instead of staying and finishing and, uh, it turned out we really needed to be there again the next day. And so we couldn't have planned that stuff out. And it just, it just, life just happens like that. And uh, so, <clears throat> so the thing is, is God knows how to get you where he wants you to be. And so, you know, in this, in verse six here, 
he says that he that has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He doesn't say he started the good work in you and now you're going to complete it. He doesn't say you're going to perform it. He says he's going to perform it. Um, uh, I want to go down a few more. Even as it is meet or fit for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of my grace. For God is my record how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and all judgment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, and that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. So that's a lot of good stuff right there in those last few verses. And all that stuff is all stuff that comes from Him performing things in your life. It doesn't have anything to do with you doing stuff. Because He's talking about abounding in knowledge and judgment. And that comes from Him. And... uh uh, being sincere and without offense until the day of Christ comes from Him. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Obviously, we all know that comes from Him. So, go with me to Psalm 37. I keep coming across Psalm 37 lately. And uh, it's one of my favorite psalms because it talks about playing guitar at the beginning. Or, or rather, it talks about not playing guitar, because it says fret not. So, so for you know, for all of you who like the upright bass, they have no frets. So, so I, I take this to mean I should learn to play the upright. No, no, no. Actually, um, you know, it was really precious because I was. Uh, you know, I like this Bible for preaching here because it doesn't slide around on the pulpit. It stays where I put it. But my study Bible that I've had for 16 years or whatever, I, I really like that one because it's got all this stuff in it that you 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 write in it over the years, and you know, and it's like, well, I I want that Bible. That that that's you know, not just any Bible will do. You know, and you sit down to study, and it's like, where is my study Bible? No, I don't want the other one. I want that one. And uh, so yesterday I'm, I'm studying, and like I said, I came across this uh, when I was studying last week too, uh, which I found interesting because I had this date written in it from August of 2012, and during that time uh, we were we had Mike and I had two employees at the time, and our biggest customer decided that they would just not pay us anymore. And till we got, I don't know, $25,000 plus out in money that we were waiting on. We were still doing work. And eventually our guys were coming to work for free. It's like, here's your IOU for the week. And uh, if you don't want to come to work, don't come to work. I understand. You know, you got to feed your family or yourself or whatever. But um, I remember this one day we... We're just really wrestling with this sense of I don't want to quit working for the for these guys, but I would also like to get paid, and we need to do something that brings in some money. And so we we actually left in the middle of the day, and we came up here, just kind of having like this this you know 
war council. It's like retreat to the the war room and it's DEFCON 4. You know, like what are we going to do here? And uh, and we were all here praying and and God gave us this this passage at the beginning of Psalm 37 where he talks about, you know, you just trust me and I will get all the stuff taken care of. And so, which is of course was, you know, I just happened to come across that last week when I was studying about, you know, this, I had, because I did the study on prioritization and I could not take away from it this sense of God taking care of you. They just, they seem to just be too twisted up together to take apart. And so I came, I came across this when I was there and it just didn't fit into the study, but now I have a chance to bring it out to you. So in Psalm 37, he says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. And we were encouraged by that because there was this guy at that at that at Brandon Woods that uh, really had it in for us. And uh, and so I thought this would be the evildoer. This would be the worker of iniquity. And uh, he shall soon be cut down like the grass. <laughs> and, um, and, and in fact, actually, uh, he he did end up leaving the the company over less than felicitous circumstances and we all of course rejoiced and God reminded us like no don't rejoice when your enemy falls lest it displease me and then I turn away my wrath from him so we're like okay oh that's too bad <laughs> no no some that's one of those things you just need God to help you cuz I, I I really couldn't feel too sorry for the poor guy on my own but anyway, so trust in the Lord and do good. And so shall you dwell in the land and verily you shall be fed. You know, Sarah did this great study on this a few years ago about how many times the word shall appears in this psalm. And it's really worth taking a look at. I have them all underlined in this Bible and there's like, I don't know, 17 or 18 of them. It's quite a few. Talk about these things. It's like. God will do this, and it will do that, or shall, as it were, do this and do that. So I highly recommend looking through that. What I want to touch on here, and, and I may just read through the whole thing, uh, there's kind of this um, five steps to success, I like to think of it, here, and that he kind of lays out for you here in the psalm. And he's got... Uh, four of them pretty much right in a row here, and then the last one is, is kind of on towards the end. So that makes it convenient for me to make you listen to me read all of it. So this would be step one. He says, trust in the Lord and do good, and so shall you dwell in the land, and verily you shall be fed. So that was quite encouraging to us when uh, we were working and working and working for free. It's like, okay, so trust in God. And, and do what's right, and God will take care of it. And uh, so, you know, so he does indeed give you something to do there, to do, do good. And this, this, this word do good is good, morally right. But this, this word trust uh, is like, you know, it's a confident expectation because, you know, you, uh, you know, we use those words interchangeably, trust, confidence, like I, 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 you know, I trust them. I have confidence in them. And this word is also translated as to attach yourself to. So 
So he says, so attach yourself to the Lord and do good. And I thought, wow, that's really enlightening. I like that. Attach yourself to the Lord. You know, Cynthia used to tease me and ask if uh, she could eat my backpack when I went to. She wanted to attach herself to me so she could be where I was. And as much as I would have enjoyed it, I thought it might be somewhat cumbersome. <laughs> Plus, she would get paint in her hair. But so, step two: delight yourself in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. You know, and I like that word delight. You know, to take great pleasure in. And and you know, it's uh, it's funny because uh, sometimes we don't necessarily feel this great sense of delight. You know. You know, if we're real honest with ourselves, I think sometimes it's like, wow, God, I, I really appreciate the things you've done in my life, and I, I intellectually get that you've done these things for me, and, I, and I'm so glad. But it just feels so like, wow, Calvary was a long time ago, and and uh, life just feels commonplace. And, and uh, I, I just, right now, I don't feel this great sense of delight. But you know when you when you draw near to him, and when you you put him first uh, consciously, like we talked about last week, then that sense of delight will will come because it's hard to spend time with somebody that's really great and not think, wow, this is great. Why would I go anywhere else? Why would I even talk to anyone else? One of Mike's favorite stories from our youth was uh, we uh, we went to enroll for 12th grade because we were grown up enough to go do it by ourselves. Didn't have to have mom there to sign the papers and pay for everything. And um, uh, we were coming out of the doors uh, of the school. Had this, these big glass doors, breezeway, and everything. Brand new school and. Uh, I'm getting ready for 12th grade. I, I know how school works. I'm kind of at about the top of the peaking orders I could get. And uh, um, there's this frightened little freshman coming up the sidewalk with her mother. And, uh, you know, just looked really uncomfortable. And I, uh, not really thinking before I spoke or acted, Flung the doors open as I came out and was like, "Out of the way, heathen!" <laughs> and just without breaking stride, and just kept on right on down the sidewalk. <laughs> you know, I, I was only even vaguely aware of what a heathen was at the time. <laughs> Little did I know that I was acting like one. But, uh, um. But it's like, you know, why would I why would I bother with the heathen when I have this you know this delightful relationship? And and then that's not really a, a good picture, I suppose, you know. Because we do indeed want to deal with the heathen. But you know, that that sense of taking pleasure in the the presence of God, you know, sometimes it just takes that it, it takes a, a cultivating. It takes it takes time and you find that delight in him and and uh and choosing him over everything else 
But he says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So when you when you put him over uh, all the, the desires of your heart, then uh, just like we talked about last week, then those things kind of fall into place, and he'll give you those things that, that, that you're looking for. And... And honestly, as you as you begin to take more and more delight in Him, He becomes that desire, and and you just find yourself with more and more of Him. Step three: Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. And this is a an interesting way that they talked about this in the in the Hebrew. This, this word commit commit's a good word. I like commit. I like commitment. Um, but in the the Young's literal, it literally says, uh, "Roll upon Jehovah thy way, trust upon Him, and He works." And He works. I like how it just kind of ends kind of abruptly there. I like that. And He works. You know, because you could take that a lot of different ways. He works, like He works for me. He works with me. Or, wow, I had this problem. I needed the solution, and He worked. You know, it's like you could take that a lot of different ways. But I like that, that sense of rolling your way on him. It's, it's the, the same word that he uses in the famous thing in Proverbs 3 where he talks about trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and, and he shall guide your, direct your path. So the same word, roll your way upon the Lord. And I like that because it's like has this sense of having this... Uh, it's almost like a, having a burden of some sort, and you can't really lift it so much as you could just roll it. And so you roll your way on him and trust upon him. I like that. And he works. And he shall bring it to pass is, is really great, too. I like that. And he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. And, of course, that righteousness that we have, as you all know, of course, comes from Him. And so, so here in these steps, we, we're, there's really not much that we're doing here. We're trusting, and we're delighting, and we're, we're rolling our, our stuff off on Him. And so, so far about the closest thing He's said to really do something here is He says, trust in the Lord and do good. And so that's good because we have him to show us what's good. We we don't have to figure out what's good, what's evil, all that stuff. Because often we, we come up with some strange ideas just like Adam and Eve did. But uh, we have him to tell us, well, this would be right. This would be not so, so wise. Um, so he says, commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light. See how I'm plugging Sarah's Bible study there. Shall, shall. And he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord. Step four. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself because of him who prospers in the way, because of the man that brings wicked devices to pass. So this word rest in the Lord says be silent to the Lord. And so it has this sense of what could you say? 
the like you know we talked a few weeks ago about the the five names the five words that got attached to Jehovah uh, throughout the Old Testament and and how in each of these instances it's like what do you say to that and and so so it, it has with it this sense of just simply being in awe of of God of of the things that he's done because how can you look at your own life and not simply be in awe of the things that he's done you know i mean we we all have those things that you could just when you you know you come to the lord and you're just telling him man god i appreciate all this stuff that you've done and man my my life is so blessed and and i'm so just pleased to to have you in my life to be in your life and you know eventually you just you kind of run out of things to say you know and like the old song says, you know, you say it best and you say nothing at all, you know, because some when you when you really love somebody, you come to that place where you don't need to say anything, and there's just nothing to say that would really be appropriate, and uh, so he says, rest in the Lord, and resting is is certainly uh, a great idea because. Uh, so far, all the stuff that he's talking about is is not so much about about you doing something; it's about you trusting him, holding on tenaciously to him. And so he's saying, and you you can rest in him too. And so, uh, you know, you can just just relax. It's nice when you when you carry your children and they. Uh, you know they hold on to you, but they're not killing you, and they just kind of relax and let you carry them. They don't try and squeeze you till your eyes bulge, or they don't uh, wiggle a lot. Now, how many of you know that it's difficult to hold on to a wiggly child? <laughs> yes, right. When when Jeremy was a baby, he uh, uh, he was real fussy. He had acid reflux and. Nobody at the hospital caught that he had a high palate, so he had a really hard time nursing. And so he just screamed and screamed and screamed for months because he couldn't hardly eat. And when he did eat, then he would have this terrible pain in his in his throat and in his chest and stuff. And uh, and so uh, you know, eventually. You know, I just kind of came to this place of what on earth am I going to do with this child? And uh, you know, uh, we would we would swaddle him in a little baby straight jacket, and uh, uh, you know, kind of like well, you know, because babies wiggle un- unintentionally and they wake themselves up. And there's something about all the work that you put into putting a baby to sleep. It's like you know, it's like the sign says, "Baby sleeping, be quiet, or babysit." And, like if you wake up my child, you will never wake up again. <laughs> no, but um, I mean, because Jeremy was so hard to put to sleep, and his uh, the door to his room uh, at the place we lived then, uh, no matter how careful you were, you could not pull the door shut and let go of the knob without it clicking. It would always click, and. Uh, it drove me crazy. I would spend half an hour putting him to sleep, or an hour or two. He's finally asleep, 
creeping out of his room. I close the door. Click. Oh. And then you start all over again. So, not to discourage you if you don't have children yet. But they're not all like that, I hear. You know, I'd hear these stories like, oh, my, my baby was sleeping through the night at one month. Like, I will hurt you. So, so, anyway. Um, but, you know, I, so I would shake him. Not, not shake him, but, I mean, sorry, wrong. Not that it didn't ever cross my mind. No, I would rock him. But like really vigorously, because if you would rock him vigorously enough, and you guys probably remember me walking around in the hallway, like I just want to listen, and um, you would have to really get him going because you have to startle him into stopping crying, and uh, and it was just like why why will you not just rest just rest you know and I've been. I keep thinking about that with my children. You know how children like, I'm not tired. I'm not tired. And it's like, you know, I keep telling my kids, it's like, you know, when you get to be my age, you're going to want to go to bed. You know, it's like, you're, it's like the treat at the end of the day. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like you're looking forward to your, you know, your pink milk and cookies. It's like, I'm looking forward to sweet oblivion. You know, and so, but you know, resting in God, you know, is 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 really is more than than that. But you know, that sense of hey, just relax and let me hold you, let me carry you around. You know, Levi would always wrap his legs around my waist, and I would hold him. Of course, he's a substantial little boy, and then he would always want to straighten his legs back out. He didn't like having his legs around me, and so he would want to straighten them back out. He's like uh, stiffening up his legs, and then I have nothing to hold on to. It's like he's not sitting on my arm anymore. I'm holding him on to me, and so I was like, "Okay, I'm putting you down now." You're, I'm, you know, it's hard to hold somebody when they won't let you, and so simply letting God hold you is a really great idea because sometimes you know you feel that sense of, "Wow, my skin is just crawling with this." thing and I just I hate it and and he gets that and he understands but coming into that place of you know God I just I would just like to have you just hold me just let me just relax for a little while and and just put this thing down that that just makes me feel like I just want to scream so uh, but you know the sense of resting and, and being silent to him is is a really precious thing. Wait patiently for him. You know, who doesn't like uh, learning patience? You know, I learned a lot about patience. I'm still learning a lot about patience. You know, I was thinking this morning on the way here about the scripture in Philippians, and like, man, God, you know, I I I know I can look back at my life and see the things that you have. This, this work that you've started in me, and I can see the things that you've changed in me, and I can see some stuff that still needs done, and I, I know that you're going to complete it, and and I I would like to do anything that I could do to help you, but I would also you know 
It doesn't it doesn't really do the cookie baker any good if you're standing there eating the dough. Because who doesn't know that sugar cookie dough is amazing before you cook it? Salmonella, notwithstanding. But, you know, licking licking the beaters is best left for after the mixer is turned off. And so, um, you know, typically, for the most part, God doesn't really need help in doing the stuff in your life other than he just needs you to cooperate. I mean, have you ever tried to put a, a little kid's gloves on? Like, just cooperate with me. You try and tie their shoes when they can't hold still. It's like they're they're trying to walk away while you're trying to tie their shoe. And you know, so sometimes you know it's just nice to just have just cooperate with him and just relax and let him do what he's doing. I know I get a little squirmy sometimes when I see those hands coming. It's like, oh no, okay. So, but he says to rest in the Lord. And wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself because of him who prospers in the way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath, and fret not yourself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, and those that wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Yet a little while the wicked shall not be. Yea, though thou shalt diligently consider his place, it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. So, so that's a precious thing. You know, God takes care of you. He brings you where, right where you need to be. And uh, when you when you draw near to Him, you you get that sense of gentle meekness and and seeing yourself as as uh, small next to Him. And and He says that the that those meek would delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Because there is definitely a sense of peace in um, having a lack of responsibility. And, and don't get me wrong, we certainly have responsibility. But when you don't have the weight of the world on your shoulders, thinking that I have to do all this stuff and, if, and all this is on me to make sure that this turns out just right, then that's a very liberating thing to have that gone. You know, that's, you know, so... You know, a lot of people, they start their own business and they, they have all that responsibility squarely on their shoulders. So I said, hey, Mike, you want to paint with me? So I could put all that on him and I could just come to work and work and, and leave all the brainy details to him and all the responsibility lays at his door. Sometimes people would ask, you know, it's like, so is he the boss? Are you the boss? Half fifty-fifty. What is this? And I was like, well, that depends. If you if you really are happy with the project, yes, I'm the boss. <laughs> if you have a problem, he is the boss. <laughs> so it's that simple. The wicked plots against the just, like I just said. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Okay. I need to get more sleep. <laughs> the wicked plots against the just and gnashes on him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword and bent their bow. They cast out the poor and the needy and slay such as being of an upright conversation. The sword shall enter into their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. You know, it's interesting, this psalm kind of almost reads like something out of Proverbs. It's all these like little statements. 
So the wicked are drawn up. Okay. The sword shall enter in their own heart and their bow shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked should be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. So here he is still just taking care of things. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. So, so God knows. He knows the way you're going to take. Nothing that happens in your life is a surprise to Him. And He He knows where you're going to be. When you show up someplace and 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 God just does something cool and leaves you standing there looking like it was you, then God knew that was going to happen. And you know it wasn't you. And uh, and it's a it's a blessing that God does those things in it, and it creates in you a sense of humility of like, wow, God, I was I was just kind of going about my everyday stuff, and then you just did this cool thing, and I got to be part of it. What a blessing! For the Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance should be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. That's good news. The wicked shall perish. And the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume, and into smoke they shall consume away. The wicked borrows and pays not again, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they shall be cursed. They that be cursed of him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Now the thing that's interesting about this uh, statement is that the word good is actually in italics here. So it's not actually there. It's it's there. The, the translators thought that it needed to be there to give the sense of the of what it was saying, and 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 I suppose it is because this word for man. It it can mean just male in the generic sense, but it it has with it this sense of um, of a valiant man, like a, a man of war. And like someone who is at the the very height of their their physical uh, power and prowess, and uh, he says the steps of that man are ordered by the Lord, and and you wouldn't be that if it wasn't Him doing it in you, because uh, you know Paul said that in me in my flesh dwells no good thing, and so so. The, the things that we have in our life that, that we can point to and say, wow, that's, that's really something that's a blessing. There, there's some of that fruit of righteousness, but it's by Jesus Christ. It came from Him because He's the one performing the work in me. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and He delights in His way. Though He fall, He shall not be utterly cast down. And that's great news. For the Lord upholds Him with His hand. I have been young, and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful, and lends, and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil, do good, and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves judgment, and forsakes not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land, and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart, and none of his steps shall slide. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he's judged. So God does indeed judge things then. And he'll condemn sin, but he doesn't. He says that he won't condemn him. 
So he condemns that thing in your life. He said, now let's get rid of this thing. And then, and then you're golden. So here's, here's step five. I know you're wondering if I was ever going to find step five. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. And when the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. So this, this word waiting, it's, it's, it's similar to the word resting. It, it has that sense of, of waiting with, with hope. But it's also a word that means bind together. Like, like, like braiding a rope or braiding your hair or something like that. It's like twisting something together so that it it's all becomes one thing. So he started out saying, trust in the Lord. Attach yourself to him. And then he says, he says here he says, wait on the Lord. And it's a sense of get yourself all twisted up with him where it's hard to tell which one is which. And so, <clears throat> really, I, so that, that was why, why I say that these, these five things here, because he says something on the Lord in these five verses here. And, and each one of them, it, it's all talking about him doing something in you. And, 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 he, and he bookends these, these five things with uh, attaching yourself to him somehow or another. And so, becoming a part of him and and cleaving to him. So he says, "Wait on the Lord, keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I've seen the wicked in great power spreading himself like the green bay tree. Yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. I sought him, and he could not be found. Mark, the perfect man. I've always thought my parents should have named me Mark." I don't know where they were on that one. Mark the perfect man to hold the upright. The end of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together, and the end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and shall deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them, because they go to church every week and they pay attention and they do everything exactly right, and they pay their tithes extra. <laughs> no, it, it doesn't say that, obviously. You know, and so, but we think like that, don't we? You know, we all, at, um, you, you know, I, I have found myself this, this sense of uh, religious doing. Like, I, I've got to do this and that, and if I don't have everything just right, then... God's not going to be happy with me, and if God's not happy with me, then woe is me. I'm going to be in such trouble, and and I, I'm going to show up to church, and everybody's going to laugh at me, and and Ron's going to say you're bad, you know. I mean, right? You know what I'm saying? And uh, but it's it's those kinds of thought processes that Ron was talking about the other night when John asked the question about girding up your loins of your mind. It's like it's like. No, I'm not going to let that thought process in because I know the character of God and that that's not who he is. You know, God's not going to leave me with some vague sense of of impending doom without letting me know what it is that he wants to deal with. So he says the Lord shall help them and deliver them and he shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. 
So there's that word again. Trusting on because they have attached themselves to him. So so when we, we hang on to him and we uh we we attach ourselves to him, we delight in him, we roll our way on him, and we wait on him, and we rest in him. And so we do these things and and that's all it's all passive stuff. And uh, so if there's something that you need to do, then that's why God talks. You know, God, God shows you, well, do this. Well, I would do this now. Or I would not do that. And and so then your sense of well-being doesn't come from, well, I, I'm, I'm doing good because I'm teaching the Sunday school and because I do this and all that. It doesn't have anything to do with that. It comes from I'm I'm trusting in God and I am... Uh, uh, I'm I'm trusting him to uh, braid me together with him until until we're just all you can't tell where one starts and the other and the other starts. So so that that is the thing that God God wants from us. So Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word to us. We thank you that you have made this way for us. Oh God, what we all desire. Every person in this place, their goal is to be pleasing in your sight, Lord God. And and here you have given us these things, God. You you said in John that the this is the work of God to believe on Him whom He has sent. And God, so today, God, I I bind doubt and unbelief, God, in every fearful thought process, every doubtful thought process, God. I lose faith in this place, God, to uh, receive from you and to offer up to you the the sacrifice of praise and god we just we glorify you today we thank you for what you're doing god and i just pray that you would uh aid each and every one of us in uh attaching ourselves to you and delighting in in uh you and in the abundance of peace that is found in fellowship with you and we just pray it and ask it in the name of jesus amen amen amen, amen.